Theodore Roosevelt once said, the most important single ingredient in the formula of success is knowing how to get along with people. Hi, this is Greg. I'm one of the pastors here at West Valley Christian Church. Relationships can be the most wonderful thing in the world and they can be the worst thing in the world. We are built for relationship and throughout life we need to grow in building healthy ones. In this series, we'll be looking at the Bible to understand how to have healthy relational practices. We hope you enjoy. All right. Good morning, church. Whether you're here in the service or you're online, we're so glad that you are joining us uh, today. Before, before we get to the sermon, a couple things I want to point out to you all. You know, uh, as you're coming in, we have one of these bulletins that's sitting at the tables in the back on your way in. How many of you have a bulletin? Let me see those bulletins if you grabbed one. Okay. So it's two things that are important to me about these bulletins. Number one, you know, every week, Pastor Rob is saying, hey, write this down. You know, point number one. If you grab a bulletin, you don't have to do that, okay? It's already in the bulletin, okay? It's already written down for you. Cynthia Wagner has done the hard work. She's pulled out the most important stuff and put it in the bulletin, which is great because then you could take the bulletin and then just write down the things that, that really make you think. It's already written down there, which is so awesome. It's also you can save these and hold on to them so you remember that. The second thing is inside that bulletin is one of these connection cards, that we would love to have everybody fill out each week. And one of the reasons why this connection card is so important is on the back side of it, you can write down your prayer requests and your praises and whatever's going on. And our prayer team will be praying for those prayer requests. And also from time to time, we have things on here that you can sign up for. Like this week, we have on the back a sign up for Meet the Pastor, which is next Sunday. So July 18th, we're going to meet the pastor right after the second service. And we haven't had one of these. We were doing them every quarter, but since COVID, we haven't done one. So this is our first meet the pastor in like a year and a half. And so normally we invite new people to it. So if you're new in the last year and a half, you are invited to meet the pastor. <clears throat> now, it'd be very helpful to me as a guy who's got to plan lunch if you would sign up for meet the pastor, okay? So you could sign up on this connection card, or you could sign up out at the Welcome Center after service. And so Pastor Rob will be, provide lunch for you. And then Pastor Rob will share a little bit about his story. He'll share a little bit about the church's story here and about God's story. It's just a great way uh, to, to get to meet Pastor Rob and have him share a little bit. And so, you know, one of the other great things about grabbing this bulletin and having the sermon outline in it is... Well, for those of you that are, that are godly people, you know exactly, you know, you can write all those notes down. For those of you that are like me, you can follow that and you can know when the pastor is going to be done. Okay? So, and uh, I would not admit to doing that as Pastor Rob is preaching, but I know others might. Okay? So we are finishing this three-week series called Relationship Road Trip today. And Pastor Rob started this road trip by reminding us of the power of our words. Proverbs 18.21 is one of Pastor Rob's favorite verses, and it talks about how the tongue has the power of death and life. And so you and I, we can either build up or we can destroy our relationships with the words that we use. And then last week, Pastor Rob it, it reminded us how important it is for us to take care of ourselves. Like, we can't have relation, healthy relationships with others if we aren't taking care of ourselves. And so he reminded us that, that we need to take care of ourselves. We need to take care of our hearts. We need to take care of our soul. We need to take care of our mind. All three of those work together <clears throat> and are important. And so today, as we conclude this series, it's my job to tell you everything else you need to know about having a healthy relationship in every area of your life. 
all right, I may not be able to accomplish that. The truth is we could talk about relationships for months, okay, and not cover everything. But we are wrapping it up, and we're going to talk about what it means to have healthy relationships. And, and we're especially towards the end, we're going to look at some characteristics and some qualities that are essential in healthy relationships. And, and we can't emphasize enough how important healthy relationships are. I read this a couple weeks ago. I don't remember who it was to give them credit, but, but, I, but it should be up on the screen here pretty soon. But this quote that I read says, you can have all the money in the world, but if you have broken and shallow relationships, then your life will be empty and poor. You could be poor in the ways of the world, but if you have strong relationships with your maker, your family, and your friends, then you can count yourself among the wealthiest of people on the planet. Let me read that again. You can have all the money in the world, but if you have broken and shallow relationships, then your life will be empty and poor. You can have everything that this world offers, but if you don't have healthy relationships, you have nothing. How many of you have seen people that have sought everything this world has to offer, and they've gathered so much of it, and they're still so empty? Maybe that's some of us here today. You could testify that that's true in your own life. We can go after everything the world has to offer and still have nothing. And that's heartbreaking. But you can be poor in the ways of the world. But if you have a strong relationship with God and your family and your friends, you can count yourself among the wealthiest of people on the planet. Some of the happiest people I know are people that don't have much, but they have strong relationships with God and the people in their lives. And the reality is, as Christians, if we're wise, we understand that is really all we need. All we need is a strong relationship with our God, with our family and our friends. The stuff this world tries to offer us don't, doesn't really matter too much. And, and so if we're going to have healthy relationships, there's some foundational scriptures that I want to remind us of. This first one is one that Pastor Rob has shared with us in both week one and week two. Genesis chapter 2, verse 18 says, The Lord God said, It is not good for the man to be alone. I will make a helper suitable for him. And again, Pastor Rob has shared this in week one and week two, but I want to remind you God has created everything. He's created the earth, He's created the animals, the birds in the air, the fish in the sea, the beasts that roam the earth. He's created all of them. And yet He looks around and goes, You know what? There isn't someone suitable for Adam. I better create somebody else to go along with him. And ultimately, those words of Genesis chapter 2, verses 18 are still true for us today. We are not meant to be alone. We are not meant to be alone. Now, that might look differently in our lives, okay? So like some of you in this room right now, and some of you watching, you are an extrovert. You love being surrounded by a million people. You are energized by people. And so you love having lots of people around you. The godly people in the room are introverts. No, just kidding. Just kidding. Okay? But you introverts, you're better with fewer people. You value your alone time. I'm sure extroverts value their alone time. I can only assume that. I wouldn't know. I'm not one. Um, but like as an introvert, you're, you're happier with fewer people around. Okay? It's interesting. My wife, she's like, she's like the biggest extrovert there is. And I'm, I'm the introvert in, in our family. And so I value my alone time. We just spent uh, five or six days together with our sons. And I love them all. Okay? And we don't, the four of us don't get to be um, together all that much. 
And so it was great spending time with them. But there are some times when I need to be by myself, okay? And so that's what I'm grateful that my family likes to sleep in a little bit because I'm not a sleeping in kind of guy. And so each day while we're gone, I'm getting up at 5.30 or 6, getting dressed, grabbing my backpack that's got my book and my glasses in it, and I'm heading off to McDonald's, you know, to have a fruit and maple oatmeal, wink, wink, uh, and a Diet Coke, okay? And so for me as an introvert, that's what I need. But some, all of us in this room, we're all different, you know? But the truth is, whether you're an extrovert or an introvert, we all need people. We all need people around us at different times. Another verse that I'm reminded of is I think about the importance of healthy relationships. Proverbs 13, verse 20 <clears throat> says, Walk with the wise and become wise, for a companion of fools suffers harm. Walk with the wise and become wise, for a companion of fools suffers harm. We know that we're not meant to be alone now. Okay, after three weeks, we know that that's true, if you didn't know that before. But this is a verse is encouraging us to be careful about who we are developing relationships with. Because our relationships with other people will either make us better or they will drag us down. Our relationships with people will either make us better or they will drag us down. And a lot of us in our relationships, we think we have those people that we're going to pull them up to where we are, and that doesn't happen. They pull us down. So we need to be careful about who we are developing those relationships with. We're either going to become wiser because of them or we're going to become fools. Are your relationships that you're in right now making you better? Are you, maybe even more important than that question is, are you helping the people in your life become better? Are you helping the people in your life become better? Or are you the one dragging somebody down? Because, you know, the New Testament says something very similar. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, 33 says, Do not be misled. Bad company corrupts good character. And so we're not meant to be alone, but you and I, we need to be wise about who we're developing relationships with. In 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 8, such a beautiful verse, it says, Above all, love each other deeply, because love covers over a multitude of sins. Love each other deeply, because love covers over a multitude of sins. I can't emphasize this verse enough. You know, Peter is speaking in the context of the church but it's true in each and every relationship in our lives. We all need some help. We all need some things to be not covered up like we're hiding them, but you know what? We're all flawed. We're all sinners. And if we're going to have healthy relationships, man, love is necessary because that's the only way to get over and to get through some things. It covers a multitude of sins. What a beautiful and true phrase. And so as you and I, as we read our Bibles... And as we know our Bibles, we know that in the Bible, one of the things that I love about the Bible, God has given us both the good and the bad. Okay, like every relationship in the Bible isn't the good one. Okay, and I'm grateful for that. Because the fact that there are good relationships in the Bible and bad relationships in the Bible remind, it tells me that there's hope. There's hope for all of us that struggle. And I'm so thankful that God left those in there. And so the, the last couple of weeks as I was thinking about this sermon, I was thinking about different relationships in the Bible. And like I said, some are good, some are bad. The first one I thought about was a friendship between Jonathan and David. The friendship of Jonathan and David in the Old Testament. Now, if you know the story of Jonathan and David, Saul is king. 
He's the first king of Israel. He has a son named Jonathan. So most likely, in line to become king after Saul is going to be Jonathan. And yet God rejects Saul and has Samuel um, anoint David. So David is going to become the next king. Now, I don't think Jonathan knew that. Maybe he did, maybe he didn't. Obviously, we know David knew that. And yet, as you read through the Bible, you see that Jonathan and David develop a very special and a very strong friendship. And it's so strong, in fact, that when Saul is going to try to kill David, who is it that helps David? It's Jonathan. Okay, Jonathan is helping David while his dad is trying to kill him. Okay, so this is the guy that's going to take his place as king, and yet Jonathan is helping him out. What a beautiful friendship that is. And as you know the story, Saul and Jonathan both died on the same day, and David becomes king. And David wants to repay Jonathan for his great friendship. And he asks, hey, is there anyone left in the house of Jonathan and Saul that I could help? And so Jonathan had a son named Mephibosheth that was, that was hurt and was crippled. And so David brought him into his home and took care of him. As a matter of fact, David gave to him all the things that should have been his as a child of Jonathan and a grandson of Saul. And it's a beautiful story. They have a beautiful friendship. But not all the relationships in the Bible are that beautiful. Because then I thought about Joseph in the book of Genesis and his brothers. Okay, if you know the story of Joseph and his brothers, that is not a beautiful relationship. As a matter of fact, some of you that are in this room or you're watching online, you think, man, I've had some difficulty with a few siblings. Well, guess what? Most of you have probably had nothing compared to what Joseph went through. Okay, so you know the story of Joseph. He's got 11 brothers, okay, and they don't like him. And what do they decide to do? They decide they're going to kill him. Okay, but, but they're like, oh, well, let's kill him. Oh, maybe, maybe we won't kill him. We'll just sell him as a slave. Okay, would you have a problem with one of your siblings if that's what they did to you in your life? Okay, Joseph did not necessarily have a great relationship with his brothers. And yet, one of the most beautiful things about this story, fast forwarding several chapters in the book of Genesis, is later on in life, because God was with Joseph through every struggle and every trial. God was with him, giving him success. And when given the opportunity to pay back his brothers for the evils that they have done, he responds to them with forgiveness. And he responds to them with love. Okay, it, what, a, what a beautiful, beautiful story. And yet, as you think about that story, you go, well, it doesn't take a genius to figure out why they had problems. Joseph and his brothers shared four different mothers. Okay, of course there's going to be some rivalry amongst them. And and if that wasn't bad enough, it's clear when you read the Bible that Joseph was his parents' favorite. Okay? Joseph was his favorite, and so of course his brothers are going to be unhappy about that. Anybody in the room, their parents' favorite child? Okay. My mom and dad were in first service. They confirmed that I am their favorite out of four. All right, maybe they didn't. One of my sons is in the room. I have nothing to say about this subject with him. <clears throat> but obviously, this is going to cause a problem if out of 12 kids, one of them is the favorite and they're treated like they are the favorite. Okay? So if you're a parent in the room, let's be careful about what you're doing. Okay? All of our kids are great. Like my kids, they're both great. I mean, if I had to choose a favorite, I, I don't know. I'd choose the dog. But... LAUGHTER 
Um, actually, if you know my dog, you know that's not true. Uh, but anyway, so, so we have the beautiful relationship of David and Jonathan, and then we have this next one of Joseph and his brothers, which isn't great. But then I was thinking about other people like Ruth. Like Ruth is such a short book, but it's a beautiful book in the Old Testament if you haven't read it. But Ruth has this amazing relationship with her mother-in-law. Okay, she has this amazing relationship with her mother-in-law, and then she has another great relationship with her husband, Boaz. And so I was thinking about this. Ruth, to me, is like a relationship all-star, okay? Because if you know her story, Ruth is married. Both her father-in-law and her husband die, and so she's left in this land with Naomi, and her mother-in-law says, go back to your family. Go back and find a husband. You know, it's too late for me. Just go back. And Ruth is like, no way. Okay? And as a matter of fact, a verse that many people like to use in their wedding ceremonies, which is beautiful. There's nothing wrong with that if you did this. We did it in ours. Um, but this beautiful verse is actually a verse of Ruth speaking to her mother-in-law, Naomi, when she says this. She says, don't urge me to leave you or to turn back from you. Where you go, I will go. And where you stay, I will stay. Your people will be my people and your God, my God. Where you die, I will die. And there I'll be buried. May the Lord deal with me if anything but death separates you and me. And so again, if you haven't read the story of Ruth, go ahead and read that. It's a short little book in the Old Testament. Ruth is a relationship all-star. Another relationship I thought about was Samson and Delilah. Okay, Samson and Delilah. Samson is given tremendous strength by the Lord. And as you read the story, Delilah keeps trying to get him to tell him or tell her the secret of his strength. Why? So she can double-cross him. I can only assume that Samson is completely blinded by his love for Delilah, or he's incredibly dumb, okay, or both, okay, because as you read that story, you're like, dude, how many times does she have to betray you before you figure this out? He never does figure it out until it's too late. When he loses his hair, he loses his strength, and he loses his eyeballs, okay? That's when he finally figures it out. But love in that relationship was clearly one-sided. Uh, the last partnership and relationship that I think of is I think of Moses with Aaron. Okay, Moses and Aaron, they were brothers. And Moses, we all know Moses. We know Moses, great leader of Israel. But for every great thing Moses did, Aaron was right there with him. Because Moses, for all of his uh, greatness, he tried to use his uh, being afraid of speaking in public as an excuse why he couldn't do what God was calling him to do. And God called him on it and said, okay, I'll just send Aaron with you. He'll take care of that for you. Okay, And so when I think of Moses and Aaron, there's a story in, in Exodus chapter 17, and the Israelites are battling the Amalekites. And, you know, sometimes when you read the Bible, you're like, what? How does that even make sense? But here's the story. In Exodus chapter 17, the Israelites are battling the Amalekites. And, and when Moses has his arms raised to the Lord, the Israelites are winning the battle. Okay, now, I don't know how that's such a winning you know, strategy in battle, but he's got his arms raised up to the Lord. The Israelites are winning the battle. But as his arms get tired, like my arms are tired already. I've got weak arms, okay? I was waiting for an amen for my son. But anyway, I got weak arms. My arms are tired already. They're starting to come down, okay? So Moses, his arms are getting tired. And so Aaron gets on one side, her gets on the other side, and they're holding Moses' arms up so the Israelites can win the battle. What an awesome picture of what our friendships and what our relationships ought to be and what they ought to look like. For us to have good and healthy relationships, we need to be there for each other, to hold each other up, to pick each other up when we are down. Like Aaron was there for Moses, or Aaron and her were there for Moses that day. 
Because you know what? In our relationships, anyone can be there for the easy times. Like when things are good and you can do stuff for other people or other people can do stuff for you, it's really easy to be there for them in their relationships, right? Like when someone could do for something for you, don't you want to be there with them? But a real friendship, a true friendship, a healthy friendship, a healthy relationship is being there for someone when they can't do anything for you. When you, are being, when you are there for them, when you know what, they need you to hold them up. When they are falling over and you are there to pick them up. That's what a healthy relationship looks like. It's easy when things are good. True friendships, true relationships, good ones. We're there for each other when things are difficult, when things are hard. You know, and I'm sure as Aaron and her were holding Moses' arms, I bet they got tired. You know, they're like, hey, can somebody come prop us up? You know, and yet that's what healthy relationships look like. It's easy when things are good. But friends, real friends, great relationships are when people are there when things are difficult. So there's two key verses that we're going to look at today. One is the one that Pastor Rob wanted me to preach on. The second one is the one that I wanted to talk about. So we're going to look at the one Pastor Rob wanted me to speak on first. In Romans chapter 12, starting in verse 9, it says, Love must be sincere. Hate what is evil. Cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in brotherly love. Be devoted to one another in brotherly love. In a healthy relationship, we are committed to one another. We are there. There's no, like, there's no being, you know, wishy-washy about it. We are devoted. We are committed to one another. And then it says, honor one another above yourself. And we're going to talk about this when we come to this next verse. But you know what? Pride and selfishness, that's that's a relationship killer. Those will kill our relationships. And the Bible constantly tells us to honor one another above ourselves. We're to put other people first. And again, we'll come back to this with the second verse. But that's such an important part. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor, serving the Lord. Be joyful in hope patient in affliction, faithful in prayer, share with God's people who are in need, practice hospitality. He's saying, man, be generous. You want to have healthy relationships? Be generous with one another. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Mourn with those who mourn. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be proud, but be willing to associate with people of low position. Do not be conceited. Lots of things for us to work on in that verse in our relationships. But let's turn to Colossians chapter 3. Because in Colossians chapter 3, it's very similar to the passage in Romans. But Paul is telling the Colossians, hey, there's some things, some some guidelines for how you should live. And in Colossians chapter 3, verse 12, it says this. It says, therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourself. He's saying, put this on. Okay, like this morning I got up and I put on this Van Heusen shirt. I only know that because I looked at the tag this morning. Okay, but like we are to clothe ourselves. These are the things that we are to put on in our lives. This should be something that is part of each and every one of our lives if we're going to have strong relationships. Clothe yourself with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other. And forgive whatever grievances you may have against one another. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues, put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. So there's seven qualities in there that I want to talk about in the time that I've left. 
that I, I think are essential for us to have healthy relationships or they're essential for us to have strong relationships. And, and one of the important things about this is, you know what, these are all things that Jesus modeled for us. Like every single one of these qualities, every single one of these characteristics, as you read through the Gospels, you see them lived out in Jesus' life. Okay, so if, if like if after the series is over, you still, man, I still need help in my relationships. Read through the Gospels. Look at how Jesus treated people, because Jesus treated people way differently than, than people treat each other today. He's the perfect example for us in our relationships. But the first one that I want us to notice, and the first characteristic that it mentions in there, is a characteristic of compassion. Compassion is when we are moved by the needs of others. It's an emotional reaction that causes us to want to do something. Like compassion isn't just going, oh man, that's really bad for them, I feel bad. But compassion is us seeing a situation and going, man, what can I do? And you know what? We can't always do something. We can't always fix people's problems, okay? But like I think compassion is we see it and we want to do something, even in those times when we can't. And like I said earlier, Jesus models these examples for us. In the story of the prodigal son that Jesus tells, the father has compassion for his son. And instead of standing at the house waiting for his son to come back and and to beg for forgiveness, what does the father do? In the story, the father runs to his son to love him, to forgive him. That's compassion. Later on, when Jesus tells the parable of the Good Samaritan, or the story of the Good Samaritan, The Samaritan has compassion for the man who's been beaten up. And he doesn't just look at him and go, oh, that's a bummer, he got beaten up. But he goes over and he picks him up and he helps him and he helps take care of his needs. And so again, as you read through the Gospels, Jesus saw the hurts of people. And it over and over again says that he was compassionate. In Luke 7, it tells us he was compassionate for the woman or the widow who had lost her son. We read of him having compassion for the crowds because they were lost and misguided in Matthew chapter 9. In Mark chapter 8, it tells us that he was compassionate because he saw the people and they were lost like sheep without a shepherd. And these are just a couple of examples. And again, I'm not saying, you and I can't fix every problem that the people in our lives have because we can't do it. But I'm telling us, for us to have healthy relationships, we have to be compassionate people. We have to be involved. If we're not, we're, like we were talking about this just this week, um, and like if we don't have compassion, and if we don't get involved when people are going through difficult times, we're just a tourist in people's lives. We're coming in, we're having a good time, we're taking what we can get, and we're going on our way. That's something we see modeled, I think, in our world. But as Christians, that is not the way we are supposed to be. We are not supposed to be tourists in people's lives. If you lack compassion, it's probably because you're too focused on yourself. And it's time to take your eyes off of yourself and to take your eyes and look at the people around you. The second word, I don't think it needs a lot of explanation, but is kindness. And the easiest way to describe kindness, for me at least, is by saying what it isn't. Kindness isn't being demanding or being harsh or being rough, but kindness is allowing people to be who they are without being all over them. And so in order to have healthy relationships, we need to be compassionate and we need to have kindness. The third one, I think, goes hand in hand with the first one because the third one says it's humility. And you know what? We live in such a self-absorbed time. Like everybody's told to look out for number one, to look out for themselves. 
And humility isn't putting yourself down and not thinking about yourself. But humility is putting the needs of others ahead of your own. And let me just say, this is so important because in every healthy relationship we're going to have, humility is essential. You cannot be a good spouse if you're thinking about yourself first all the time. You can't be a good parent. You can't be a good child. You can't be a good worker. You can't be a good anything if you're constantly putting yourself first. Humility is about putting other people first. Jesus was a great example for us in this, but Paul writes this in Philippians chapter 2, verses 3 and 4. It says, Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interest of others. And then Paul says, But your attitudes ought to be the same as that of Christ Jesus, who, being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but he made himself nothing, taking on the form of a servant, becoming obedient, even obedient to death on a cross. Like Jesus didn't just say, be humble. Jesus showed us humility. And humility is essential if you and I are going to have healthy relationships. And, and, and I don't want to assume, but humility is probably something some of us in the room could, could use some working on. We could probably use some time to think about, okay, how can I do better at taking my eyes off of myself and not making everything about me? Humility. Gentleness. Again, a word that I don't think I need to explain too much. But someone that's gentle is someone who isn't trampling on other people. It's about treating each other with the right amount of delicacy. You know, Pastor Rob will often tell stories about coaching. He's coached volleyball, and he coached Drew and Easton sports and all that stuff. And, and I coached basketball here at the school for a lot of years. And, and I've coached my kids' teams uh, growing up. And, and the truth is, there are some kids that to bring out the best in them, you need to kick them in the pants, okay? Uh, sometimes metaphorically and sometimes actually, okay? Okay. Um, and, uh, and my kids were kids that I think I, I could get away with kicking them in the pants. But there are other kids on every team, and there are people in every relationship where kicking them in the pants isn't going to work. If that's the only method you have, you're going to ruin that friendship. You're going to ruin that relationship. And, and so as a coach, I had to learn there are kids I could yell at, like my own, and there were some other kids that I could never yell at. There are some kids that I needed to come alongside and put my arm around and have a quiet conversation, and say, hey, you can do it. Now, those kids that, get you, you know, that need a kick in the pants, they sometimes need that little quiet encouragement as well. But, you know, a great coach learns the difference between the people on their teams and knows how to treat each one of them with the gentleness that they need. And gentleness is so important in our relationships. The fifth one is patience. I don't feel like, I, again, I don't need to spend a lot of time talking about what it means to be patient, even though I would just say that it's hard to be patient, isn't it? I struggle the most with patience when I'm in my car, just to be honest. People drive me crazy in my car, and I lack all patience with people on the road. Um, but, but a patient person leaves room for the faults of others and the flaws of others, because don't, we all have our faults, don't we? We all have our flaws. We're not going to be able to just hang out with perfect people. Okay? We wouldn't be allowed to hang out with them because we're not perfect. The last two characteristics or qualities, I want to talk about them together because it says bear with one another 
and do forgiveness. Okay, bear with one another and forgiveness. If we're going to have great relationships, then you know what? We need to learn to put up with each other. We need to put up with each other's faults and oddities and strange things. Um, we have to learn how to forgive, and I mean really forgive. Because lack of forgiveness is a, is a relationship killer. If you're holding on to things that people have done to you in the past, that will kill any chance you have of a healthy relationship. That verse that we read says that we need to forgive as the Lord forgave us. In Romans chapter 5, it tells us God didn't wait for us to choose him. God didn't wait for us to get our act together before he sent Jesus. Jesus died for us long before you and I chose him, long before we decided to follow him. That's the way God loves. That's the way God wants us to love. That's our example. So uh, most of you know who my wife is. Maybe not all of you do. My wife's name is Christina. She's here. Um, and we've been married for 28 years. Um, she, oh, I thought I got this out in the first verse, but anyway, she's the best person I know. N nobody else is better than her. She's not perfect, of course, but, but she's the best person I know. And as I think about this verse, I think, oh, well, she's had to bear a lot, and she's had to forgive a lot. Um, and that's the only way that 28 years later that we are still married, is because we have both bore with a lot, and we both had to forgive a lot. Anybody in this room that has a happy marriage, you've had to do those same things. Okay, that's the only way to make it happen. Um, but you know what, my wife, okay, this, this is going to sound weird. I don't mean it weird. But my wife is not the longest chosen relationship that I have. Okay, because like my family, they didn't choose me. They're stuck with me. But my best friend is a guy named Greg Dom. And I met him in 1985 here at this school. I do the math in my head sometimes. That's a long time. Okay, we've been friends going on 36 years. Um, and trust me, both of us are messed up. And we both have had to bear with a lot. And we both have had to forgive a lot. Um, I once had someone ask me, and they weren't asking because they wanted to know, they were asking kind of incredulously how I've been able to maintain our friendship with each other. And I think they were asking because they were making it sound like he was so difficult, you know. And I was like, well, because the truth is it's lots of patience and lots of forgiveness. And that's true in any of our relationships. Like if you're holding on to stuff and you're holding things in, that isn't going to help us have healthy and strong relationships. We have to bear with each other and we have to learn to forgive. All of these qualities are essential for us to have healthy relationships. I hope that as we've gone through these last three weeks, that, the, that these sermons have caused you and caused me and caused us to reevaluate our relationships. I hope it's caused us to think about how we use our tongue, how we speak to each other. I hope it's caused you and I to think about ourselves and go, okay, I need to be healthy myself if I'm going to have a healthy relationship with others. And I hope you'll take seriously these characteristics that we find in Colossians chapter 3. Compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, patience, bearing with each other, and forgiveness. Because it's hard to have healthy relationships. Because as people, we know that we are all sinners. We are all messed up. We've all made mistakes. 
um, you know, over 20 years ago, I left West Valley and I was a youth pastor at a church in Northridge, Northridge Christian Church. It was a smaller church, but it had lots of wonderful, wonderful people. And I have some great memories of being over at that church. And there was a sweet lady named Shirley Say who would stand in the back of church and there was a bigger open area in the back of church and she would take attendance every Sunday. And so she knew everybody and she knew everybody's name and she'd be sitting in the back going, oh, there you are, there you are, there you are. Her husband was an elder and he was a a gruffer gentleman. I grew to love him, but he was a little gruffer. Um, I once put a chair through a table and had to call him to come fix the window that, uh, that I broke. Not one of the highlights of my time in ministry. Also not one of the worst things I've done in ministry, but anyway. Um, but Shirley was such a sweet lady, and I think she knew that people could be difficult, and, and being a pastor wasn't always easy, and so she gave me a poem that for actually the whole time I was there, I put it in a frame, and it sat in my office, um, and it's a poem that hung on the wall in Mother, in Mother Teresa's um, like place where she worked in Calcutta. <clears throat> and she didn't write this poem, uh, but, but she, I think she adapted it some. And it said this, says, people are often unreasonable, irrational, and self-centered. Forgive them anyway. If you are kind, people may accuse you of selfish, ulterior motives. Be kind anyway. If you are successful, you will win some unfaithful friends and some genuine enemies. Succeed anyway. If you are honest and sincere, people may deceive you. Be honest and sincere anyway. What you spend years creating, others could destroy overnight. Create anyway. If you find serenity and happiness, some may be jealous. Be happy anyway. The good you do today will often be forgotten. Do good anyway. Give the best you have and it will never be enough. Give your best anyway. In the final analysis, it is between you and God. It was never between you and them anyway. So my prayer for each of us was that we would be just seeking the Lord's help in every area and every one of our relationships. Let's pray together. Father, just thank you so much for this opportunity to be here, to think about relationships. Lord, I pray that you would help each one of us, Lord, to be evaluating our relationships, to be evaluating what we're doing. Help us to give the very best that we can in each and every relationship. Lord, help us not to be worried about somebody else or what other people are doing. Help us to start with ourselves to give the very best. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening. For more information, please visit us at wvcch.org or you can join us live in one of our Sunday services. Have a great day.